which critics are telling us is a farce and must be dissolved immediately. The commission, chaired by Judge Willie Sariti, was appointed by President Jacob Zuma three years ago. They're investigating alleged corruption in the 1999 arms deal. Recently, three arms deal critics withdrew from the proceedings as they believe the commission had missed its opportunity to support the struggle for transparency and accountability. Their withdrawal follows that of other evidence leaders who've also resigned from the commission. On the forum at eight this morning, we're asking you, is the Sariti Commission of Inquiry a farce? You can tell us right now on 34701, tweet or Facebook as AM Live at SAFM or try me at Darshan Moo or give us a call right now 0891 Of course, we'd love to chat with you. On the line to talk with us and to talk with you is William Bulloy, the spokesperson for the Arms Procurement Commission. He joins us from our Pretoria Hatfield studios. Mr. Bulloy, good morning. Thanks so much for your time. Okay, we will try to get him. He's not yet in our studio. We will try to get him in the studio. Uh, in the meantime, we do have uh, Henny Friend Furin who joins us on the line. He's one of those arms deal critics. He's an activist, a writer, a research associate for the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. He's also the co-author of The Devil in the Detail. It's a book explaining how the arms deal changed everything. Mr. Van Furin, good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning, Dashan, and good morning to the listeners. Uh, let's start with this. I mean, this idea of where the arms deal became a farce. Did, did, was it just sudden? Did it suddenly become a farce? Or was it this at the very beginning, would you argue? Well, um, I mean, Dashan, quite, quite clearly, this, uh, the arms deal has been with us for a long time. For 15 years, activists and, and others have been trying to argue that what we really do need is a full investigation into corruption uh, in the arms deal and prosecution of those involved. And um, the decision in the Constitutional Court in late 2011 led ultimately, uh, it was arguments that were brought originally by Terry Crawford Brown, um, led to the President deciding to appoint a commission of inquiry. And initially, uh, myself, together with the, the two um, other authors, writers and activists, Andrew Feinstein and Paul Holden, who, who I've been working with, and uh, led by, by lawyers for human rights in the commission, have argued strongly that it is our responsibility and the responsibility of all other people who have evidence of corruption, who know about wrong dealing in the arms deal. And there's been a great amount written by not only writers, but most importantly by investigative journalists and by state bodies um, who have investigated the deal uh, and the corruption in the deal on behalf of the South African public. And we said, let's take that information to the commission. Let's help the commission as far as we can. Um, and, and certainly that was our, our, um, our attempt from day one. Um, but the commission itself, I think, was not spared any controversy from, from early on. We, we mustn't forget that the secretary, the first secretary to the commission um, committed suicide um, under relatively mysterious circumstances uh, in May of 2012. And then in early 2013, uh, we had the situation where we saw the first resignations of very senior people within the commission. Um, there was uh, Mr. Norman Moabi in January um, of last year, followed by Kate Painting, uh, both senior uh, um, lawyers and researchers who both indicated that there is a second agenda within the commission, an attempt to cover up the truth. Um, and, and this, to some extent, had snowballed beyond our own problems with the Commission, just looking at what was happening uh, the, the further on in, in 20, 2014. We saw the 2013-2014 resignation of one of the chairpersons, uh, together with Judge Sariti, who's Judge uh, Lahori, a respected judge, 
who didn't give indications for his resignation, but he, together with Advocate Tayyab Abu Bakr, another senior evidence leader, in, in, uh, resigned. And then most recently, uh, Dashan, was the, the, the decision by two very senior evidence leaders, Advocates uh, Sibia and Skinner, and, uh, to resign. That was in the last six weeks, and that letter was leaked uh, to the media um, and, uh, and, and published online, and where they, where they certainly, in a very damning 15-page letter to the Commission, their letter of resignation, point out how they've been excluded from meetings with the Commission, how they haven't been granted um, access to, to, to key documents, and where they point out some of the very deep failings in the functioning of the Commission itself. And all of this, of course, has pointed um, towards a, uh, one can only talk about a trend that indicates um, uh, some element uh, to suggest that potential cover-up. And, and of course, all of this collectively and many of the other problems we can talk about that we faced uh, as witnesses who've been subpoenaed by the Commission led us to take this very difficult decision of withdrawing from the Commission. We're still trying to reach William Beloyd, the spokesperson for the uh, Sariti Commission of Inquiry. We'll try to get him on the line in the next few minutes. If you'd like to chat to us about this, we've got Henny van Furen. He's one of the arms deal critics and one of the three who pulled out of the arms deal, citing that it had become a farce and uh, that it did have the second agenda. Give us a call on 0891104208. Mr. van Furen, you you say that there's been the second agenda. I'm looking at the, the, the arms deal terms of reference for the inquiry. On Monday, the 24th of October, 2011, the president announced the commission. He listed the terms of reference. They're very clear. They're very direct. It doesn't seem like there would be an opportunity for a second agenda or for them not to pursue answers in terms of what it says here. Make findings, inquire, report on, and make recommendations concerning the, the question of the arms deal. Absolutely, Dash, and I think um, very clearly, and, and, and we're on record of saying that more than once, that the terms of reference were broad, they were clear. There was one small item, important item that wasn't included that was an investigation into why all earlier investigations had failed. But, but apart from that, um, I think it was far-reaching enough for us to say we can enter into this process um, in, a, in, a, in a manner of good faith, also because we believe in the law, rule of law, because we believe in the primacy of our constitution, and because we want uh, democratic public institutions to work. And I think we've clearly seen in the past week the Bicoli Reading Commission of Inquiry into Violence in, in Kailicha as an example of a commission that has undertaken its work. There has been some controversy at the start, but delivered a report that's been welcomed by civil society, the police, and by all other parties. So an indication that if a commission wants to be able to do its work, it can. Our experience, however, um, with a commission was a different one. Um, we, our primary reasons from, for withdrawing from the commission, if I can talk to those briefly, Darshan. Oh, if, if you could, before, before doing that, Henny, we do have Mr. Beloy on the line, and I would like you to answer this before we speak to him. When did it all go wrong? If the terms of reference were so clear, if we were meant to get answers, if you joined in on the arms deal commission inquiry because you thought the terms of reference were so clear, when did it go wrong for you? Well, well Darshan, I think it isn't one event, and I think that we should never reduce these things to one particular moment. But I think it's a, it's a culmination of events over a two-year period. It is the matter of the so-called second agenda and the way in which people who have worked within the Commission have effectively blown the whistle about what they uh, see as a potential for cover-up and unfair conduct within the Commission. Um, it was the 20 letters that we sent 
to the Commission through our lawyers, Lawyers for Human Rights, who acted for us in a pro bono manner over an 18-month period requesting access to documents. At best, in most instances, all we got was an indication of a, 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 that, that, that the letters had been received, but very little formal response to our request to be able to access those documents. And again, we can talk to those documents. Our reason for doing so is we didn't want a parallel investigation. We wanted access to those documents in order to be able to ensure that the Commission is using them in its work, that we can cross-examine witnesses, and of course, in our, in, our original, in our initial subpoena, that was a right that was afforded to us by the Commission. So we were simply exercising that right. We were blocked from access, ex, uh, exercising that right at every turn over, over the last 18-month um, uh, period. And then when we do, when we do have, when we certainly have ample evidence of, of, uh, of uh, irregularities that could be linked to corruption in the arms deal, um, and, and much of that, the Right to Know campaign is put up on a website, armsdealfacts.com. But when we have attempted to, uh, to ensure that, that those documents are used to cross-examine witnesses, for example, we have been blocked from doing so. And that means that those crucial documents, that, that those are documents, some of which were authored by companies that were, paid, that were paid by the arms companies themselves, the companies that won tenders, to look into issues of corruption, like the company Ferrisdale, at points to irregularities and that are very closely linked to corruption. And, and the Commission did not want those documents to be submitted into evidence to allow us to cross-examine other witnesses. Now, cumulatively, when we just sit back and we look at the cumulative effect of all of this over, over a two-year period, at every point we said, we've got to keep on trying, we've got to keep on trying to assist the Commission. But I think um, it's a bit like an abusive relationship. At some point, we all recognize um, that the more you try and give, um, the more you've been pushed back. And, and, and I think very sadly, we had to admit um, that for us to participate, um, there's a potential that um, we would be giving support to a farce, um, an attempt to ensure that the people who've been implicated in corruption are, re are simply reintegrated into public life. Um, and, and I think that we had to speak out. And I think effectively, I don't want to say that we are whistleblowers, but it is our responsibility as South Africans and, and South Africans who want to uphold the Constitution to speak out where we see what we, we see an unfolding grave injustice start taking place. Well, let's give the arms deal, uh, the, rather the Commission's spokesperson, a chance to respond. Uh, William Beloyne joining us on the line. Mr. Beloyne, good morning. Thanks so much for, ch for chatting to us. Morning, Dashin, and morning to the listeners. And my apologies, Dashin. <clears throat> the traffic is so heavy, I had to make a U-turn to make sure that I quickly uh, take this call. No, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. We do have listeners who are also calling in to chat with you. Uh, Mr. Beloyd, there's been this concern among many that the arms deal is running the risk of becoming a farce. That's our question to our listeners this morning. We've had a raft of resignations of key leaders of, wit uh, of evidence, uh, secretaries who've resigned under mysterious circumstances as well. Is this commission in danger of being a farce? Dashan, let me firstly start with the, the, the guest that you're having there. One, to say, uh, as the commission is our view, that we are not going to engage him on this platform, as he is on our list of witnesses, and uh, the forum is there where he is expected to come and testify before the commission. And he has been represented by lawyers throughout the course of the commission so we are not going to conduct any other parallel hearing with him 
through this particular platform. You say he stilled to appear. Didn't, didn't he withdraw from the commission? Uh, Gershwin, uh, we issued a statement last week uh, to say the commission is still considering whatever uh, withdrawal they claim to be, but they are on record that they are even going on a roadshow, which I, I take this uh, participation of him here as part of that roadshow. But let's leave it there because uh, for now he is in a list of our witnesses as a commission, and then he is still expected to appear before the commission. Other processes will look at it. That's why I'm saying I'm not going to engage in a parallel uh, hearing with him through this particular platform. However, I need to put the following on record, Dashwin, with your kind permission. Mm -hmm. Firstly, the issue of the arms procurement, uh, procurement uh, process has been with us for close to 15 years now, which is like an albatross around our next South Africans. The issue was even taken to the Constitutional Court. Hence, the commission was proclaimed by Parliament uh, after there were all other sorts of allegations that were made. And uh, the, the proclamation was made by Parliament to say, here is the platform now. Any other information, and whoever has whatever information about this process or all other allegations, here is the platform. Let the people go and answer it. Two, the commission is being chaired by judges. Judge Seriti, Dr. Seriti, is a judge of the Supreme Court of, 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 of Appeal of South Africa. Judge Tekiso Musi is the judge president of the Free State. Uh, judge Lehodi has resigned. He was the judge of the, of the High Court. And he has indicated that he reserves the right not to disclose his resignation. I'm just trying to indicate that, that certainly the commission hearings are open to the public so that each and every person can see if ever somebody is not treated fairly or not. And the commission also has conducted its hearings openly through also the media were, uh, were, were represented. The other important fact is that up to thus far, 50 witnesses have appeared before the commission, including one, the former president of South Africa, cabinet ministers, but also, most important, the South African National Defense Force, the wing of the, uh, of, 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 I mean, the, 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 the army was uh, uh, presented its evidence through the Air Force, but also the Navy, and all other institutions of government, including different departments 50 witnesses up to thus far so we were left with now another session of 14 witnesses and the 14 witnesses i want to make it very clear are the ones that are, are your so-called uh, whistleblowers are the ones who have said we have a smoking gun we have evidence that we want to give to south africans are the ones who said we possess all the evidence that shows that things were not done properly are the ones who have said we have even the names of the people who unduly benefited are the ones who said we even have figures and all those things they are among the others who have written books co-authored books that's why even the commission said come then now and talk about your books and your books are already in the shelves they are not saying we are going to write books they have books 
that they have uh, already spoken about. The books are on the shelves, and the commission is simply saying, granted, you will come and, talk and tell us about the books. Now, since we started the second phase where we should have those uh, witnesses, that's where the problem has been. Fortunately, three of the witnesses uh, of the so-called whistleblowers came to the commission before the commission, and it's on record where some of them said, we don't know. We don't know. It was hearsay that was brought to us. So those are the facts that I want to put. And on mm -hmm. Tuesday, which is tomorrow, we are proceeding with the testimony of Dr. Gavin Woods, who was the chairperson of SCOPA. He is going to appear before the commission tomorrow. So the commission is continuing. We have consulted and we're completing our consultation with uh, Mr. T.C.B. Terry Crawford Brown, who took the matter to the Constitutional Court. He has participated in the commission's hearing. He did some cross-examinations of certain witnesses. He would also be part of the witness. So those are the key effects which I want to put on record that this shows that this is not a farce. Unless if somebody, instead of, of, of coming to present what he has claimed, then is chickening out and because doesn't have evidence and start to call the commission of us. But I'm saying I'm challenging everybody to say the commission is open. You can come and see if it's a farce. Secondly, the commission is open to the public. The commission is open and the witnesses have to come and appear. There were no talk of people talking about a farce when all other relevant uh, stakeholders were called and doing their presentations. Well, William, so let's, let's put I the question then. Let's put it to our listeners then. Is this commission in danger of becoming a farce? Is it a farce already? The Sariti Commission of Inquiry will take your calls on 0891 SMSs, send them right now. Is the arms deal in danger of becoming a farce? The Sariti Commission of Inquiry, that's our topic today. After consultations and discussions, this is the uh, this is the message from William Beloy, spokesperson of the commission. He says they have decided that they will not have a discussion with Henny van Furen and the the others who have uh, resigned or withdrawn from the arms commission uh, inquiry. They say it's because they're still due to appear at the commission. Henny, did you know that you're still on the books to talk at the uh, commission of inquiry? Well, well, Dashen, just just firstly before I answer that. Um, I think it's unfortunate that Mr. Beloy was late for this interview because um, I think that um, he would have then heard that we are not chickening out, but quite clearly we have very grave concerns that's led us to, to, to make this, this very difficult decision. So I think this is, this is not an act of cowardice, but I think it's an act of, I'd like to say, an act of strength um, and, and one that many others within civil society have supported. With regard to the question on the subpoenas, we have been subpoenaed twice in January of uh, 2013 uh, and again in uh, June of this year. My understanding is that the second subpoena has now lapsed because we were due to appear in uh, in early August of this year and certainly we, we have not in August, uh, the first week of August 2014 and certainly we haven't yet been reissued with, with any other, uh, with, with any subpoena. And, and, and that's one other important point to make is that um, Mr. Beloyan, while not wanting to deal, address this directly, accuses me of, of and others of being part of some kind of a media roadshow. We were invited onto the show by our public broadcaster for us to discuss uh, an, an issue that affects all of us in this nation. So I think it is very important that we don't belittle public debate in the way that Mr. Beloyan has just done, but rather encourage it so that we can 
strong, meaningful contribute to ensuring that, uh, that there is a full investigation and ultimately a prosecution of those involved and implicated in corruption in the arms deal. And those are not only our own politicians. I think we've always made the point. This is not directed at one or two politicians in, in South Africa. There are numerous middlemen, and there are all men who are involved in corruption in South Africa and abroad or alleged to have been. And of course, the large multinational corporations that stand to benefit hugely and stand to lose even more if they have to pay back the money uh, if they are found guilty or, uh, of fraud and corruption and pay back the money they will have to. Maybe not, we cannot return the weapons, but certainly they'd have to pay massive fines. So we shouldn't forget um, that there are very, very alive political concerns, which I think inform um, um, some of the aspects of, of what some people have alleged to have been a cover-up. Allison in Cape Town wrote uh, saying, they want a witness to give evidence, but not to say what he knows. That's just wrong. Dramatic.